CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Don Cash and myself here on Your Money and Your Life, where we're going to talk about the uh, well, the big news this week, new laws in Washington, maybe more on the way, and how it might affect your planning. Don's here with me as usual. The summer is just flying by, and uh, as this show airs, Don, I think we're about a week ahead of Labor Day when this, uh, when this one will come out. So getting close to the end of summer. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Yeah, um, doing well. Thanks. It's hopefully same for you. But it's mm-hmm. weird, Mark. I get this melancholy feeling when the kids go back to school this time of year. Really? Kind of like I did when I was a kid. Like it makes no sense, really. The weather is actually a lot better after Labor Day, at least around here, sure. than it is in uh, in July and August, especially this year. So um, you know, it's it's interesting. A day in September, you know, at least for me, is for the most part not too different from a day in june yeah you know so unlike my kids of course when it comes to going back to school in uh, september i don't have to sit through a, a classroom for six hours well this is true that's a, that's a bright side i suppose of being an adult of course we have our own training and additional education and things that we have to do sometimes mm-hmm. that kind of get going but at least it's not every day speaking of kids how's the how's the wedding plans going for your uh, for your daughter uh next spring right that's right. The spring is uh, the big time, and um, I'm getting a real good education, Mark, on how this whole <laughs> this planning works. <laughs> well, you're a planner. At least it helps. It really, I think it does. But there, there's such a range of options, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of buying a car. You know, it's like in all practicality, a car just gets you from point A to yeah. point B, right? Whether it's an economy car or a luxury car, and at the end of the day. When you're married at, after the end of the wedding day, you're really, you know, you're officially married if you spend a lot on the, the right, wedding or yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? You're married either way, whether it was like a, a cheapo wedding or a super expensive one. Now, you know, you've got clients that you help through the years, and obviously they come in, maybe say, hey, we got to figure out how to pay for this wedding. So this is the first one for you. Am I correct there? That's right. Yeah. She's my uh, oldest daughter. My okay. youngest daughter is only 15, and the boys are in the middle. Right. Okay. So, you know, uh, so I imagine that after years of hearing clients, it's probably interesting to be on the other side of that, too. But uh, you hear a lot of people say, you know, you know, geez, the price of a wedding or whatever it might be, right? Uh, could have put money on a house even at this point. <laughs> uh, but that does tend to guilt trip the kids who do have, you know, those sizable weddings. My wife likes to watch those shows, and sometimes I see the price tags, and I'm like, holy moly. Oh yeah, it could really run the gamut. Yeah. So uh, no, I agree with that guilt tripping issue. But you know, people say, oh, that you you could have bought a, a car or put right. a down yeah, payment yeah. on a house, something like that. But you know, if you, as I mentioned before, my daughter's the oldest of four kids, and her fiance is one of five kids. Mm, so okay. there's going to be a lot of people at the event either way. These are a pretty big family. Right. So you know, regarding the the wedding and car comparison, though. This is how I see it just so far that I'm into it. Like, you know, right now we're looking at different venues, right? Okay, right. So you can get a decent car for $30,000 or, or spend $50,000 for a nicer one and uh, or over $100,000 really for a luxury car or a Tesla or something like that. But for anyone doing wedding planning, you tend to see the kind of same range of of costs. So, you know, a nice wedding for over 100 people might be $30,000. Then depending upon venue and food and extras, it can easily be $50,000 or even over $100,000. So it's a far cry from, you know, when I was married, what we paid, it's, it's not even close. But then again, 
my college tuition at Rutgers, you know, back in the day was like two thousand dollars a semester. Yeah, I was getting ready to say it sounds a lot like you know that kind of difference there too, which we all know. Uh, a friend of mine went to UNC, you know, Chapel Hill, and and he's in his mid fifties, I guess. Yeah, he was something like the same thing, like two thousand, three thousand, something like that. And of course, his you know his youngest daughter's there now, and he's like, "Good lord, <laughs> it's so expensive." So yeah, yeah, definitely different. Well, listen, hey, speaking of rising costs, let's let's talk about what I set up earlier. Uh, the inflation numbers came in last month a little better than the prior months you know, still high at the uh, the 8.5 you know not the zero the zero was no new growth or no mm-hmm. new inflation but 8.5 um there was certainly a big drop in gasoline which is nice we're seeing that uh, all over the country and there's an old saying nothing is good or bad until you compare it to something else well right now we average around four dollars per gallon which is better than the five obviously earlier this summer However, in 2019, the average price of gas was still two bucks per gallon. So this week, uh, just a couple of days ago, actually, maybe even yesterday, at the time we're taping this, Don, the Inflation Reduction Act was passed. So the big buzz seems to be obviously around the 87,000 more IRS agents, the IRS Army. Uh, how does this law affect people heading into uh, or in already in retirement? And what else do you think is coming down the pike there in Washington? Well, again, inflation and taxes are, of course, always big issues, right? Especially the inflation lately. Right. And not planning properly. These are really the two things that can really hurt people, especially in retirement. But regarding inflation, until we see really lower energy prices and more people in the workforce, supply chains clearing up internationally, it's probably going to stay on the high side. We talked about this over the past couple of shows. Right. But as it relates to this Inflation Reduction Act, I think it's funny. We talked about this before. The acronym is called IRA. (laughs) They don't want to confuse it, though. Yeah, right. So don't get confused. It doesn't have anything at all to do with IRAs. So there's more of that to come later. We'll talk about that toward the end of the show uh, with some IRA changes that are probably going to occur toward the year end. But the new law does not also does not ironically seem to have much in the way of inflation relief which is kind of funny yeah, since right? it's called the inflation reduction bill but it, it's really you know nothing more than a slim down version of this infrastructure bill they were trying to push through earlier in the year mm-hmm. okay and uh, as a lot of the that law or that bill had in it this one the highlights are tax credits for home improvement like solar panels and things like that mm-hmm. Uh, tax credits for electric cars and they've enhanced the credits it depends on your income now so it's a little bit more complicated there's oil drilling regulations and an extension for three years for obamacare tax credits and as we mentioned before those eighty-seven thousand more irs agents so that's a hot issue and Mm -hmm. The thing that might have a slight effect on some seniors inflation wise is prescription drug relief but not a big deal with that either. Yeah, I think that's the one that, you know, if if people are trying to find, well, where is it going to help on my day-to-day life, at least immediately, it may be the prescription drug side, maybe. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. So what about more substantial things that affect a lot of people, particularly where you are uh, in New Jersey, you know, like state and local tax deductions, the uh, the salt tax, I guess as it's called, right? They were talking a lot about this during negotiations. 
Yeah, you know, that's the one that a lot of senators and congressmen were clamoring about, particularly in New Jersey and New York and these other states that have mm -hmm. high taxes. That has a real effect on people. And Joe Manchin was the senator was really pushing back hard against this one because it affects uh, people in uh, more high-tax, high-income states. So sure. just, just a refresher on that one. In a high-tax state like New Jersey, like I said, this one really hurts. There's currently a $10,000 cap on deductions you take on your tax returns for state and local taxes. So the average property tax in New Jersey, by the way, it's about $9,500. Ouch. Um, and many people pay far, far more than that. And that's more than double the national average, which I think is like $4,000, something like that. Mm -hmm. So if you include your state income taxes, uh, it's not unusual for a New Jersey resident to pay twenty or 30000 or more in state and local taxes, but you only get limited to taking that $10,000 deduction off of your taxes. Well, and that's you know, that's a big reason so many people were moving out of, uh, or moving to, I should say, moving out wherever they're moving out from, California or whatever, but places like the Carolinas or Florida. Um, is there anything people can do about their higher property tax bill? The property tax, uh, you can. There's some things that are available for that. The state income tax, um, not so much. I mean, they did make some relief for that here in New Jersey a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. But regarding the property taxes, the best thing to do is to know about the tax breaks that are available where you live. So here in New Jersey, there's something called a property tax freeze. And there are rules to abide by with this. So you need to be at least 65 years old and live in your house for three years and earn less than about $95,000 a year, right? So that's quite a few people. Yeah. And if you qualify, essentially, Mark, your property taxes are frozen at that level. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. That's, that's a help anyway, right? So, uh, so even if you don't qualify because your income is too high, certainly it's good information to share with family members who are considering you know, moving due to higher taxes. And uh, Don, maybe you've got some links we can put up in the show notes. We can uh, link that in for folks as well. Uh, you mentioned that the Inflation Reduction Act, it's called the IRA, <laughs> IRA, has nothing to do with IRAs, but there is another bill not yet passed that does have to do with IRAs, the traditional things we think of. What's going on there? Yeah, and we'll talk about that. We should put up links for both of these, the sure, uh, yeah. property tax relief in New Jersey and this this pending law change for IRAs. So uh, what you're referring to is called the Secure Act Part 2, which does affect almost all people, by the way, planning for retirement or in retirement. So in Congress, by the way, they know that Americans love sequels, right? So yeah. we, had, we had Rocky 2 and Jaws 2 and Godfather 2. I can go on and on. There's like probably you know, dozens and dozens of part two right. blockbuster movies. I don't think this is going to be a blockbuster, though. The, the first SECURE Act stands for, get this, how is this for an acronym? Setting every community up for retirement enhancement gotta How love that it for a mouthful gotta love it uh are they calling this the earn act as well is or am i confusing a different one uh you know there's there's two different acts here one is in the congress and one is in the senate okay right so it, they, they have to reconcile those two the senate is really where things are hung up right now mm -hmm. the congress has passed theirs uh early in the year the senate it's really where they have to 
you know, there's a, a lot of wrangling going on. Yeah, it, took, okay. it took a long time to even get this last one done. So, but the one, this one is Secure Act Part Two. Okay. Or whatever they finally call whatever it. Whatever they it's call gonna, it, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, um, if it's done, it'll be toward the end of the year. So, the original Secure Act was passed at the end of 2019, by the way. Mm hmm. And went into effect in 2020. Like so right at ago. the end of 19 too, right? It was like in yeah. December, I think, as the year was closing down. So It was just before COVID hit, right? Yeah, right. And, um, and, and, you know, everyone was planning for that in, their, in our planning community. Mm -hmm. It has a big effect on people's plans, especially IRAs. Right. So the big features were this. Increase in the age of the first IRA required distribution to age 72 from age 70 and a half, right? Um, and then it also makes the tax situation way more confusing and also way worse for heirs of your IRA. And it allows for some more penalty-free withdrawals from people taking money out of their IRA if they're under 59 and a half. So here are the summary uh, proposed changes on the updated Secure Act version two. Okay, so a couple of bullet points here. It adds the amount that you can contribute to the 401k if you're over age 50, right? So now if you're over 50, you can sock away $27,000 into your 401k and $7,000 into your IRA. Uh, and the new version encourages younger people to save in their 401ks. They're always trying to you know, push that. It was in the old, the other bill as well, Mark. The automatic enrollments right. if you're starting a that, new yeah. job, and you know, different options inside of the plans. I mean, but not the another, worst idea, right? I mean, to try to get people starting earlier would certainly help in the planning process. But anyway, no, that that's a good thing. It, yeah. it really is getting young people to start saving and making it easier for them to enroll in their 401k. But the the big one coming down the pike, and they're chattering about this, is increasing the age of the first IRA or 401k distribution to age 75 from 72. They just changed it two years ago yeah. to, to 72. So they want to make it 75, which adds to the confusion, of course. Like, you know, when are they going to start this? What's the rule for me? So there are so many traps in the first SECURE Act that could really trip up IRA owners and their spouses and kids. And, you know, generally, here's the theme I share with people and some inside information that they talk about when we're going to these meetings and if we're down in Washington talking about what's going on. The, the theme is they want tax money from your account, right? That's the theme. Mm -hmm. Sure. There's a $30 trillion deficit in Washington. And there's $40 trillion roughly in IRAs and 401ks that belong to hardworking, taxpaying Americans. So there's a target on this money. So I share with people, if you have two kids or three kids or four kids, the biggest beneficiaries of your IRAs may not be the family, but the IRS. Uh, and we said before that the right. recent law passed adds 87,000 more IRS agents. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about that. So, maybe they got it right after all, Mark, calling it the IRA law. Oh, that, that'd <laughs> right? be sneaky. 
Oh, yeah, they're coming after the IRAs. Well, you know, and, and it's, and I think that's also confusing to people too. Um, so it's like clearly there's a target on all this money. So why would they keep backing up the uh, the uh, RMD age, which is what you're talking about when they moved it to 72 and then to 75? Because it seems like that's delaying the government getting getting their hands on that money that's been sitting in those IRAs. So I can see where it definitely confuses people, and, and that's why you got to have a good plan in place, right? So you can figure out the best ways to be efficient and maybe avoid, you know, the the all the charges or the tax that you're going to owe on those accounts, Roth conversions, things that we talk about, Don. So there's so much going on with inflation and the stock market turbulence, um, the IRA rule, tax changes. So that's why, again, I, you know, it's a good idea to sit down with a qualified professional like Don. As always, I got to remind you folks as you're listening to this, he is a CPA and a CFP. If you're not already working with him, then uh, you might not know that. So again, he is a CPA and a CFP. And you can reach out to him, get on his calendar, uh, have a conversation, set up a time to talk through a strategy session, all of that good stuff, a couple of different ways you can find them online at donaldcash.com. That is donaldcash.com or call him at 800-664-1183. Um, anything else, Don, as we're moving uh, toward or into fall? Yeah, you know, as it relates to your point before about like, why do they keep on pushing the sure, age up yeah. from 70 and a half to 72 to 75? You know, for mo- many people, it really doesn't matter, Mark. They need that money to live off of. Mm-hmm. So they're taking the money out anyway, probably when they're 60 years old or 65 right, right. years old. Yeah, they, uh, there's been rumor that it's really more for the wealthy, right? It gives yeah, them Yeah, there right. you go. So it kind of trips up people or could trip up people, you know, depending upon their asset level and their income okay. level. Yeah. Um, and there's always some kind of concession. There's kind of some kind of give and take with yeah, that's true. different Congress people who are, they want um, some benefit for people and those who are more interested in getting tax revenue. Well, and so, if you don't do it, it allows that, that account to grow even higher, which means more tax dollars. So bingo, there you go. There you go. So as we move toward the fall, mm-hmm. it, yeah. there's some good news as it relates for uh, inflation for retired people. So the, the Social Security Administration announces this cost of living adjustment in October. So it's a couple of months away. Right. Maybe six weeks away. I can't believe October is only going to be like six <laughs> don't, weeks don't get away. too far ahead now. <laughs> oh, gosh. So right now, it looks like that adjustment is going to be probably in the 8 to 9% range. If they're basing uh, it off of inflation, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. that's the um, Social Security benefit increased based on these early estimates. So that'll boost that Social Security payment starting in 2023. So that's, that's going to be likely the highest increase in about 40 years. And many people don't realize regarding that cost of living increase, there was no cost of living increase at all from the beginning when Social Security was created up until 1975. So that was the first 40 years of Social Security. <laughs> but there's that 40-year number again, Mark. I don't know. They seem to like it. Uh, you know, I guess that's, I mean, that's the only good news for folks who definitely need that Social Security bit. Of course, the downside is we'll start hearing all the stories about, you know, the, the fund running out even sooner if they raise that up. So that'll be, you know, another news story that they get to jump on. But again, good news on that on that front. So I guess the other side of the coin then is the Medicare Part B premium tends to go up. This is what always annoys my mom. She's like, hey, you know, the cost of living mm-hmm. went up on Social Security, but so did my Medicare. She's 81. So anyway, that's some good news there. We'll see how that goes with the Medicare portion of that. But let's jump over and do our cash connection because we were talking about IRAs and we've got an email question, Don, from a listener. 
uh, for this episode of the podcast. So let's talk about this for them. Uh, they say, I have three IRAs. One is my own traditional IRA with money I rolled over from my 401k at work. The other is a Roth IRA, and the third one is one I inherited from my dad. Can I calculate my annual required distribution, RMDs, for each account and then take the total from just one of these three total accounts? Yeah, that is a great question, Mark. Uh, I'm just seeing more and more of almost this exact situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to get increasingly common as people inherit IRAs from their parents and also as they open up uh, Roth IRAs. So the rules are anything but simple. Actually, they're quite complicated. Big surprise. So, yeah. yeah, and here's the, here's the answer as well as some other things to keep in mind, some, you know, some things that people don't think about. Um, you cannot add the value of these three types of IRAs and take the required distribution from one account. And mistakes can, that are made on these things that can be irrevocable and lead to big penalties, like 50% penalties. Mm. And, and believe it or not, well, I guess you would believe it, right, Mark? There, <laughs> sure, true. <laughs> there are, are rules that govern each account. Each account type, right, yeah. Yeah, differently. So first off, with the Roth IRA, there's no required distribution at any age at all for the owner. And if the account is held for more than five years and the owner is over 59 and a half, the money is all tax-free. Right. So that's good, simple, right? Straightforward. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of quirks. For the heir, they need to take out all of the money out of the account by the 10th year after the owner dies, right? So you just keep, the, the heir can't keep the money in there indefinitely. Right. However, it's all free of income tax. Yeah, it's still free because it's the Roth, right? Which is what we're used to hearing with that. But they, they have to take it out. So my kids or your kids, for example, they've got a timeline to get it out. That's right. Okay. But it's all income tax free. Right. For the inherited IRA, it largely depends on uh, whether the owner dies before or after December 31st, 2019. That was that Secure Act rule. Right. Right. And this is where it gets complicated. There may or may not be an annual required minimum distribution for the heirs. It depends on the relationship to the owner, the health of the heir, right? The age of the heir and the age of the owner when he or she <laughs> died. I mean, it, it's crazy, yeah. right? Think about that. Yeah, there's a ton of little rules in there, little little caveats, little pieces. So, uh, you know, I get that there's still an RMD for the Roth, like we said, because it's tax-free. But with the inherited, uh, it, the rules are just so confusing. And you mentioned the big penalty, the big mistake. So let's kind of, you know, kind of drive that back out there a little bit for folks because it is hefty. It is They're not joking around. Yeah, that's where it gets so batty with these rules, Mark, when you think of IRA. You think of you know one set of rules, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you know if you inherit your mom or dad's house, there isn't you know one rule for the kitchen, one rule for the living room, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, you can't touch hey, the hey, basement for five years. Don't give them ideas now. Come on. Yeah, really, they probably would create something batty like that. So, uh, as you mentioned, what happens if you make a mistake? That was the question. If you fail to take the distribution. On the inherited IRA, there's a 50% penalty. 
penalty. Yeah. 5-0. 5-0, right. Yep. So if you take the money out of the inherited IRA, and even a day later, it turns out it wasn't even necessary, you can't put it back in the account. There's no such thing as a rollover or rollback into an inherited IRA. Hmm. You need to pay the taxes on that money taken out because redeposits are, in effect, you're locked out of an inherited IRA, unlike a traditional IRA. Yeah. Now, I, I have heard there is a form and the government does, IRS does allow uh, possibly for a reprieve if you do make a mistake, but they want a good reason and they want this form filled out. And it's, not, it's probably not very easy, I'm sure. Uh, that's right there on their website. But anyway, give us a refresher on the rule of for the RMDs uh, on the traditional IRAs. Yeah, that's a good question, a good point. There, There's a relief mark on the penalty, mm-hmm. that 50% penalty. You can apply for, and often the relief is given if it's a good excuse. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But when you take money out of the inherited IRA, there is no relief at all. Yeah. When it's out, it is out. So good thing to keep in mind. Um, and it did happen to someone uh, I was speaking to several months ago. They oh, took wow. money, they had an IRA, mm-hmm. and they had an inherited IRA. And they were thinking, I'll just take money out and put it back in because you have some time. There's a time frame where you can put the money back into the IRA. Mm-hmm. They took it out of the inherited IRA instead of the traditional. Oh. And they could not put the money back in. So lesson learned, the tough Strategy. way. So yep. here's a refresher on the on the rules for the traditional. Okay. Uh, that's likely the one that you have had if that you've had the longest, and it's often the one with the largest balance. Right. So you need to calculate the required distribution from the balance of that one and that one alone. Do not include the balance of the Roth IRA or the inherited IRA. And get this, you also need to use a different IRS life expectancy table. (laughs) Of course. Uh, It's weirder. So for the purpose of the IRS life expectancy, the life expectancy is longer for your personal traditional IRA than for your inherited IRA. Weird, right? Oh, man. Wow. Okay. And one more thing. Oh, boy. Yeah, get this. This happens too. This question comes up. Sure. If you're married, of course, you pay taxes uh, uh, on one form from the IRS, you know, married filing joint. But for the purpose of the IRA, you have two different accounts. And unless you were born in the same year, you have two different withdrawal percentages. And you always need to take the money out of each account individually. You can't combine the balances. So these rules get so complex. That's why we put um, the Ed Slot Group in New York City mm-hmm. uh, on retainer. It's a really, it's a big help to our clients. And you know, there are things that I don't know. There's a team of people that work with us behind the scenes that really know all the nuances. Yeah, I'm just sitting here like trying to look for the landmines, right? <laughs> they're, yep. they're everywhere. So you got to make sure that you're definitely getting that professional advice. We tend to think about, you know, we hear about the RMDs. We know we got to take them at this certain age, but it can get really complicated. I, I, I guess it's, you know, again, it depends on the type. If it's your account, there's one set of rules. If it's, uh, you know, an account you're left to someone else and it's there's the non-spousal, then there's the, you know, the, which is your role not your kid, your wife, right? So then there's the rules for the wife, there's rules for kids. So yeah, it's just better to just sit down with a professional and run through this stuff so you don't make any of these mistakes. And I imagine that, you know, there's just so many people who are even familiar with this stuff that do this every day that still trip it up. I mean, you just said yourself, you guys use the Ed Slot team as well. So 
Again, if you want to reach out to Don and get started, give him a call, 800-664-1183, especially if you've got RMD questions. And thank you so much for the email, by the way. It was a great question. 800-664-1183. Stop by the website, donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the show, Your Money and Your Life, on whatever podcasting platform app you like to use, Apple, Google, Spotify. Usually it's the little heart button that is uh, that kind of does that, or a follow button maybe. So feel free to do that. That way you catch future episodes as well as check out some past episodes if you're just now getting turned on to the show. And Don, thanks for hanging out, my friend. I appreciate you. I guess I'll talk to you just after Labor Day, probably. So have a great one. You got it. You too, Mark. Thanks. We'll see you next time right here on the podcast with Don Cash, your money in your life. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.